How many people have you slept with? No, 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 for real. What's the number? Inquiring minds want to know, like your partner, your sex partner, that person who gossips at your, your office behind your back, or your ex who you told and then wants to be sure that they really know the number, that the number wasn't just a number, and that you just weren't lying and just saying a low number, and it's really a high number, and they want to know what this person did in the bedroom versus how they did. If you heard those conversations, if you've been the victim of those conversations or those questions... Welcome to today's episode. We're talking about your sexual history. So let's discuss, what's your body count? And does it really matter? Welcome to another episode, Love God, Love Sex podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Heath Maxwell, joined by the other co-host. What's good, everybody? It's Jamie. And on today's episode, we're talking about sexual histories, a.k.a. what's your body count? Your body count. Body, yada, yada. I won't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. You, yeah, exactly. All right. Like, like, tune it down a little bit. Yeah. This topic is usually a difficult conversation to have because it's covered with judgment, curiosity, and sometimes voyeurism. I feel like somebody's always watching me. I was going to say I that's watch me. watch myself. I'm, I'm the voyeur in this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we won't get into that. We definitely won't get into that. You know, when people talk about it, depending on their partner or community's reaction, they either end up regretting it, shutting down, or they feel comfortable to talk more about their history, in particular, their likes and dislikes in a relationship. So some of the beats for today, topics we'll be covering is, do sexual histories matter? Why or why not? How has your sexual history impacted your current dating scenario? And then lastly, we're going to cover how do we create safe and brave spaces to have these conversations? So Jay, do sexual histories matter? All sexual histories matter. All right, I, just <laughs> I mean, I think they can, they can matter, but they don't, they don't have to, hmm. you know, if, if you are considering a long-term partner, that partner's sexual history, if it's a high number for some people, that's a red flag. You know, a high number of, of sexual partners is usually associated with somebody who's cavalier about their body and their sexual health. Mm. You know, it's, it's also something that's associated with people who have commitment issues. And that goes against a lot of the traditional ideas and the programming and the messaging that many of us have received about, you know, selecting a partner who has a like an upstanding or strong moral character. Um. But again, I don't necessarily think they have to, but what about you? Do you think they have to matter? They don't matter with the exception of two areas, sexual health and sexual preferences. By sexual mm -hmm. health, I mean communicating your recent test results and health status to your partner. That doesn't mean you need to include the number of partners you had, but depending on your status and specific situation, it may create a conversation in which 
partners need to communicate about maybe specific experiences or issues, right? That, that just may come up. Uh, and of course, that should be a boundary conversation. Straight them up, steel walls, whatever you use to imagine a boundary, that is a boundary conversation. And as far as like sexual preferences, people like what they like and have learned what they like by doing it with other people. Newsflash, your partner hasn't just been a virgin until they met you at 42 years old. They should be able to talk about experiences that highlight preferences that work for their pleasure. Again, I don't think people need to say a number, but they should be able to bring up an historical event or a history without their partner brandishing, you know, the Inquisition torture equipment. You know? <laughs> They're rolling out the Iron Maiden like, oh, yeah, yeah, no. yeah, absolutely. So no, if you don't mind going these spikes real quick, <laughs> this torture rack, you know what I'm saying? Then no, we can definitely a, have a That's a really good point. We all we all got a past. Yeah. Um, I mean, what I was going to say, when you talked about your partner being a virgin up until you're 42, that makes sense unless you're A.C. Green. I don't know if you remember the former <laughs> Laker. But. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tell that story real quick because some people may not know, remember, not know who A.C. Green is. Well, A.C. Green is a former NBA basketball player who was made famous for uh, being a virgin. Up until yeah. I want to say his late thirties. Yeah, 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 yeah. And this came out in like the early, early. This is the aughts, right? So two thousand, right, two thousand one, right, right, right. And, and I was gonna say, well, no, it was before that. That was the nineties. I thought it was oh, oh, okay. Nah, bro, that was the nineties. And I only remember this because, as the legend goes, <laughs> Magic Johnson apparently told him, "Man, you're not gonna be talking all that God stuff when you see the ladies out in L.A." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Shout out to AC Green. Because I, I remember having a conversation in college where Cats was like, I don't believe him. I think it's a gimmick that he just did to get, you know, you know, a good media press behind him. But I'm like, saying you're close to a 40-year-old virgin, this is before the movie 40-year-old virgin, by the way. Right, exactly. Saying that you're a 40-year-old virgin just so you can get media press, you know, bright lights and spotlight, that don't sound... Especially because he wasn't like a high draft pick or anything. Yes. It wasn't like... <laughs> He was, I mean? he was a good hand. He was a good player. He was a good hand. Oh, he was definitely a good role player. He did his job, but it yeah. wasn't like he came in highly touted as like the next whatever power forward he was trying to be. You know what I mean? He wasn't the next Charles Barkley or the next yeah, yeah, David yeah. Robinson or something like that. So Yeah, yeah. But you made a good point about, you know, nobody wants to face that inquisition. You know, nobody wants to be interrogated about a life that they lived before they met you. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. perhaps, you know, maybe that their past is composed of diverse experiences that they might have encountered with different people, or it might be a whole bunch of experiences with one person over a yeah. long period of time. Oh, for sure. for sure. You know what I mean? And like you said, self-exploration isn't something that should be policed by anybody other than the person doing the exploration. Yeah. So... Yeah. Outside of a long-term scenario, though, uh, do you think sexual histories matter in a casual scenario? I mean, I know you mentioned, you know, people should be upfront and honest about testing history and stuff like that and their sexual health. Yeah, but... Nah, I don't think so. I think the only thing that matters are questions or issues pertaining to sexual health. I mean, I definitely... I'm sticking to that and believe in that. And not, and I'm not sure how many people ask those questions 
uh, what, like, what do you think? Like, do you think sexual health is coming up in a casual hookup? I don't know, but I think it should. But, but honestly, uh, unfortunately, I think that's where the double standards kind of come into play. What, what do you mean? What do you mean by double double standards? Well, you know how you know men and women with high numbers or quote unquote spotty past are viewed. Oh, got it, got it. You know, historically, and, and I would say some would probably even say still today, uh, men with higher numbers like that tends to be something that's more socially acceptable. And it's, you know, but obviously it's the opposite for women. You know, I think with the rise of like discussions around derogatory labeling, uh, women who've been labeled hoes are kind of empowering themselves and not allowing somebody else's definition of promiscuity to define them. I feel like, if you know, a few years back you had Amber Rose with the slut walk. And even more recently, you know, songs like WAP and Hot Girl Summer, like I think these types of narratives are changing the conversation. You know, I've heard a number of my friends, male and female, say, yo, hoes are winning today. You know, especially when you look at the IG models. It's like many of them, not all, but many of them are kind of sexing their way into marriages and homes and jobs and, you know, whatever else they want to use that for. All while embracing, you know, this public persona or perception of being for the streets. And it's like nowadays, a mm. woman can have a quote unquote questionable sex history with a little less judgment. And I think that's in large part due to the sex positivity movement. And then also, you know, some of the work that's being done to dismantle patriarchal ideas that have existed in society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I agree. And, I, and I, you're right. I, I think that is like there is some progress. Uh, and we want that same assessment for all. I think everyone should be assessed equitably and equitably, you know, equally. You know, the, the double standards that people with low numbers judge people with high numbers as deviants. That's a double standard that I really have, um, have a problem with, right? So if you are a person who slept with one person multiple times or maybe two or three people and then you got married, right? You hit the golden ticket, the Willy, Walker, Willy Wonka golden ticket, and you're sharing about your numbers uh, with someone else and you hear they have super high numbers, you're looking at them like, oh, something must be wrong with you. And I think that's a double standard that I really have a problem with. This this way that we, we, we just market and throw out the label deviant to anybody. Uh, and it really bad because it really makes like someone is a misfit, right? They, they don't have any self-control. What's wrong with them? They're disgusting. They're nasty. I wouldn't do that. That's for these kinds of people. It otherizes the other person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are numerous reasons why a person may have a rich and deep sexual history. Some of it has to do with experimentation. Some of it may have to do with abuse and other factors. My eyes were opened a few years ago when I read an article, and we'll post it in the show notes, that featured Viola Davis and Edie Falco talking about the way men look at women with high body counts uh, when they write these Hollywood scripts. And this was in the New York Times. It was a very powerful article, and I definitely encourage you guys to check it out. Uh, Viola says that, these women in these scripts are extensions of men's fantasies. You know, they'll paint these women as sluts or women who are dick hungry, but never take into consideration the fact that these women characters have been victims of sexual abuse as children and how that impacts their sexual practices. And so Viola, Viola went to 
talk about ways in which they have to reimagine a character as a normal woman, right? Not just this kind of fantasy that the writer is just putting out there. And I think not everyone fits into that boat, but we want to push to have more comprehensive, inclusive conversations about sexual histories that avoid the tropes that you know were highlighted in that article. Yeah. I mean, to talk about this extension of you know the male fantasy, that goes back to some of these patriarchal ideas that you know I mentioned before, and and sometimes how the double standard is about policing women's bodies and talking about their value. Just mm, you know, just mm. a sidebar, really quickly. In this, it's kind of tied to this in this vein, but I'm thinking about you know this potential Roe v. Wade overturn, and I'm just thinking about. Yeah. how uh, this abortion rights issue um, is kind of kind of stems from that old good old boys patriarchal ideal of trying to police, you know, a woman's body or, you know, kind of living as if you get to say or have any type of say or input into what a woman wants to do or chooses to do with her body. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. But um. You know, let's let's get back on course and yeah, and yeah, let's, yeah, let's, yeah, let's, yeah. Let's switch that, gears. That's epi- ep- yeah, that's epi- a whole episode unto itself. Yeah, 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 a couple episodes even. Yeah, for sure. So let's switch gears. You know, we've talked about how sexual histories matter, but let's talk about how they impact people when they're dating. So Jay, what's been your experience with revealing or you know discussing your sexual histories while dating? Uh, that's a great segue into this next beat. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, you know, how a person's sexual history can impact their current dating scenario. Um, sometimes I feel like the memories can become a hindrance. Uh-huh. Like I remember I was using my highlight reel uh, to kind of get through experiences that wasn't so pleasurable in an old mm. relationship that I had. Um, so the past was kind of haunting my present. Mm. And, and, you know, I used to keep extensive records of my sexual history. You know, I had a whole color-coded Excel spreadsheet, names, oh. dates, sex acts, if I use protection or not, like all of these different columns of data. <laughs> Your man <laughs> you over <know>. here. <laughs> data science expert. Yeah, bro, for, for sure. You know, it, it was just, okay. it was just the, the Virgo in me overanalyzing as usual. Yeah. Um, but it was important for me to keep you know, just like a really detailed account of my history. But some of those memories, they needed to be released. Um, mm. You know, they they were kind of standing in the way of me being fully present and blocking out, I guess, like the real-time creativity that I should have been focusing on uh, with my current partner. And, and like, I think that's definitely one of the ways that your past can impact your current dating scenario. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Man, that's a great point. And shout out to your organization skills. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I have not always been a good partner when it came to sexual histories. I was definitely curious and looking to understand certain aspects of my partner's personality or psychology from their choices. So if you slept with this kind of person, then I thought that about you. If you did that kind of act in this kind of you know uh, way, then I thought that about you. And Curiosity works, but I once heard from a professor named Dr. Deborah Huntsinger was teaching a course about compassionate communication. 
And she said, you need to analyze why you're asking questions. Mm. A friend comes to you, talks about a breakup. They talk about an issue at work. And it's a very, you know, emotionally potent conversation. And Dr. Deborah Hunsinger would say, you have to ask, are you asking questions because you want to help that person move through their work? Or are you asking questions to satiate your own curiosity? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Know your why. Yes. Yeah. Trying to get more gossip or information to fuel your inner TMZ. And I <laughs> definitely, yeah, no, seriously, like I definitely was the latter at that point. And I had to pivot in order to be a better partner. Well, well, hold on. When you talk about curiosity, was there any voyeurism associated with that? Like when you asked, were you kind of, you know, secretly <laughs> getting off on the details of the experiences? <laughs> Jay talking about sticking your hands down your pants while your girl reveals something from her past. Like, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Tell me more. And how long have you been crash. over for? Not even that crash, but it's just like, oh, now, now I got something I could take into my own little me time sessions. <laughs> exactly. Okay, okay. So y'all are at the, the Chelsea Piers. Let me, let me find out. Oh, bent over the rail. Shit. That, that's a foul save as yeah um, <laughs> keeping it on it though that has been the case in some of the conversations I have I've had right that has been and I recognize there's a way of retelling a narrative with you as the center appropriating the scenario so that it becomes you know like a part of your fantasy and fulfillment for sure facts facts bro <laughs> like I've definitely done I've definitely done the same thing where it's just like totally commandeered somebody's whole experience you know what I mean like I recall being back in high school. I remember this experience. And it's like, I was seeing a girl who wanted to take my virginity, but I was adamant about saving it at the time. So she goes and sleeps with someone else. And when she told me about it, I remember asking the first question I asked her, was it good? And I remember being genuinely curious and excited about her retelling the story. Like mm. I can, I can tell she was uncomfortable, but I was loving it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah you know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Yeah. And and that's where I think I acknowledged the the voyeur in me. That's where the voyeur in me was born. Mm-hmm. And and I would say I'm highly supportive of people experiencing good things, mm. even even if they're independent of me. Got it. Yeah, that makes you know sense. what I mean. Yeah. Like I, I I think it's it's the reason I think with the right person, I'd be open to an open situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as long as that there's that trust and boundaries are in place. Uh, but I don't I don't have an idea of love and intimacy based on ownership. Yeah, yeah. You're creating space for your partner to own and cherish their experiences. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yo, I want to loop back to something you mentioned, the deviancy perception. Mm-hmm from someone who has a low number to someone who might have a high one. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, yeah. Level. Mm-hmm. I've been looked at in this way before. Like, I've had partners who were very judgmental about the quantity of women that I've been with. Because um, I'm, you know, I was not very shy about my Excel yeah. grid. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah, something yeah. that I've shared with partners before. Spreadsheet. <laughs> And, you know, I haven't always been looked at favorably from these numbers. Got it. Um, And I've learned to process the trauma of my own abuse as I've learned to process that penetrative sex for me just kind of takes on 
it, it just requires more, you know, it requires yeah. some say, some setting up of, of safe boundaries. Right. Got it. Um, and that's one, one way I think it's impacted my current sex practice. Um, mm-hmm. but let's, let's say something, let's say somebody's past is, you know, quote unquote checkered, right. Mm-hmm. With abusive experiences, uh, or with exploration, how does, how does one hold space for how that manifests in your current relationship? Dude, man, that's a powerful question. Uh, and that question needs like super, super, super space in order to process. My first answer is, frankly, I just, I, I don't, I don't know how, I, I, I don't know how they, to do that. I defer to the experts and people who are in that walk of life. Uh, and it's a question that needs to be asked. And I think we as a community should be intentional about listening to it. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, let me, well, let me ask you, have you ever dated somebody with an abusive sexual past? Yeah, I did. Um, briefly, I did date somebody uh, who had gone through an experience that was very traumatic. And uh, and did any of that trauma ever manifest in real time in your in your situation? Well, let 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 me say this. I think, and I'm sure I have dated more people who maybe just didn't reveal it to me, just because statistically, mm-hmm. we know that mm-hmm. there are a lot of people who go through those experiences at a young age or even as adults. Uh, and you're asking, how did that experience impact us? Well, we never got to a point of physically consummating our relationship, but. Got it the way it came out and the way it was revealed was in the midst of doing something sexual. And it was definitely an experience where things slowed down and you needed to take time and space for that. It's, it's, you know, goes back to what we've said in the previous, you know, well, let's say a previous podcast, but we've said on the podcast before, which is, this is why people really need time for sex education and training. There's a mm-hmm. lot of, different experiences people have. And if we're saying on this particular episode, it's not one way all the time. People have a very big assumption that that uh, people encounter encounter sex or get into sex all one way. And it's 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 not. It's 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 not the prom sex or the candles and the candlelight and the I love you's. It doesn't happen for everybody that way. And this is what we're talking about. People end up judging people's sexual histories or not being adequate in creating, you know, safe and brave spaces for things to be processed. And for knowing that person is shared, the person who's revealing um, can share and be safe. But thinking of that, right? Like there's taking that step further, you know, how do we make space for people to feel safe having these conversations? You know, a space that forces honesty and connection. I saw a Psychology Today article about the do's and don'ts of do's and don'ts of discussing sexual history, and there's mm-hmm. eight don'ts, right? And again, we'll post the link uh, as a you know a, in in the show notes, so you can follow up after the show. Uh, so number one was how good your ex was in bed. Number two, how sexually good you were with other lovers. Three, past behavior that doesn't reflect who you are now. Four, giving exact numbers of sexual partners. That's a big don't do that. Five, favorably referencing the same ex more than once. Six, playful boasting designed to make one's partner jealous. Seven, any reference to penis size. Eight, quote unquote, I've never had a problem having an orgasm before. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just I mean, kind of like roll, fault, roll over like that. I haven't come. I'm not yeah. saying it's your fault, but uh, I've never had this problem before. <laughs> uh, but the key in the ignition always turns on, but for some reason it always, today, For just, some reason, it just, hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, well, you know, I do think this is like somewhat of a comprehensive list and at least, again, get to the core of some of the hotbed topics that might offend or shut people down. But Jay, what do you think? What do you think, you know, how do you create safe spaces? Are the do's and don'ts related to this list? Yeah, I was going to say some of these I definitely don't agree with. Okay. Um, I think if you and your partner have that level of honesty and know how to communicate, like you know each other's uh, listening and, and receiving styles, um, I think this, it, that could be a good conversation to have. And it doesn't have to be something that negatively impacts your dynamic. Um, like we saw from the clip, and then they had sex podcast where the husband asked how many lovers his wife had, you know, that, that were better than him or what he called Supreme Dick. And mm. and when the wife said three, like initially she was like, baby, don't do this to yourself. Yeah, I, you know, exactly. she was she was so loving. And you know, she was trying to spare his feelings, but he just had to know. And and when, you know, when he said three, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Yo, he, he did do it like that Scooby Doo, huh? You know? Exactly. Three. Yeah, Three. I, I think I think he definitely had a number in his head that was closer to zero. <laughs> Maybe at most one. But you yeah, know, ultimately, yeah, yeah. ultimately they were able to laugh it off. And I think that's just an example of a scenario where if there's that level of honesty and transparency, and again, knowledge of somebody's communication style, you know, that kind of admission doesn't have to throw a wrench in the in the in the in the relationship. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, he definitely was was thinking lower, you know, because zero, you know, one or two, you can write off. But three is like, it's a hard three. <laughs> We're coming off that three. One, you two, three. Means <laughs> BDP. It's like, that, that, could be, that could be that nine-incher, that could be that 11-incher. Oh, whatever. Or, or just, be, you know, I mean, if you had said one, if you had said one, and I know mine is seven and three quarters, you're like, all right. Maybe she yeah, had one that was eight. I expect that, yeah. But three, but you ain't coming like, off no damn. three. That's the eight. That's the eighter. That's the ten <laughs> inch. <laughs> that's, that's the that's that immovable furniture. That ain't that ain't that ain't just pick it up and move it across the table. Yeah, right. for sure. Yeah, yeah. But you know, here they are, right? Talking about how an ex was good in bed and they were able to get through it. And that's a beautiful scenario, right? Honesty changes everything. That was the title of our first episode. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard to get there at times, and it really depends on your own maturity and the maturity of, of your partners. Well, yeah, I mean that's what we're discussing. You know how to create that safe space, like you mentioned. It's it's all about self awareness and and knowing the maturity level of your partner and yourself. Yeah, for sure. You know this 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 topic reminds me of a quote I got from a coworker of mine, from Dan Savage. And the Village Voice, for those who are not Shout out the Village Voice. Yeah, Village Voice was a really active article. I mean, newspaper uh, used to be for free in New York City. And Dan Savage once was talking about this kind of topic and, and, and questioning your partner. And he has a really good line. He says, relationships are partnerships, not depositions. You're not there just to grill someone into dust about who they are, what they did, what were their hand motions while they were saying it. And I think that's just really important for us to keep in mind. 
the reality is if you believe you're cool with your with your past and you have truthed with yourself and you know they're ready to embrace you then it may be worth talking to somebody about your sexual past like your sexual history it, it's fine maybe <laughs> <laughs> maybe it might be again you got to know their maturity maybe level. And and that's, you know, the self-acceptance we talk about heavily here on Love God, Love Sex. You know, it's a powerful thing to be able to own and and claim and accept your past and yourself and, and not necessarily be defined by any one part of it. So when you're talking with your partner, whether it's your sexual history, emotional dating history, or, you know, or whatever perspective, you know, you teach them how to see you as a whole individual, as a whole being. More than just the sum of their, their more, data. More, more than just the streets that you done been through. <laughs> <laughs> the streets you done been through, yeah. More, more than just your Excel spreadsheet. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Shout out to the Excel spreadsheet. We're gonna post a link to the Excel spreadsheet in the notes. <laughs> so y'all can so see. So y'all can see, yeah, right. All of, all of my numbers. Yeah, exactly. And all the data points that go along with it. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a joke, everyone. We're not going to do that. Anyway, that's a perfect note to end on. Uh, we hope you enjoy this episode of Love God, Love Sex podcast. We always welcome feedback. We can be reached at connect at lovegodlovesexpodcast.net. That's connect, C-O-N-N-E-C-T, at lovegodlovesexpodcast.net. Before we go, we just want to encourage you that your sexual history is your own. We always want you in this path or this journey of, of self-acceptance and healing to find ways to care for yourself and love yourself. Never feel judged or intimidated by the opinion of others. We hope this episode has been helpful to you. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next episode. Take care. Peace.